Welcome to the Scottish Business Network podcast. Hello, I'm Fraser Allen. Welcome to episode 44. Everybody's career is shaped by personal experiences, but that's particularly the case with Sarah Roberts. An enduring interest in health and the outdoors was partly shaped by an idyllic early childhood in New Zealand. But when she returned to the UK, she was so severely bullied that she left school at the age of just 14 to escape it with no qualifications. She believes that that experience inspired her determination to succeed on her own terms, to launch her own businesses and to build a strong sense of self-reliance and resilience. She considered a career in equestrian sport and qualified to train as a fighter pilot, but instead decided to move into events and brand strategy. This eventually led to a key moment in a Scottish hospital, with a lack of nutritional food led her to launch Healthy Nibbles, providing healthy vending machines and snack boxes for the workplace and public spaces. I interviewed Sarah on the 16th of June, 2020. Do you need a communications expert to help you with your marketing, brand storytelling or strategic content? Find out what I, Fraser Allen, can provide at www alancoms.co.uk That's Alan with two L's and an E and comms with two M's. Sarah, hello, how are you doing? Very well, how are you? I'm good, thanks. Yeah, you're just up the road in Edinburgh. I'm in Gifford in East Lothian uh, and it's great to catch up with you. I've seen you present before but it's really nice to have a chat with you. First of all, how are you getting on with the COVID-19 crisis and how is business with, with healthy nibbles? So it's been a learning experience and I think I'm always loath to say where, you know, how have we managed in this circumstance because I do think we are learning a lot and will continue to do so for a good number of sort of months ahead of us. Um, in terms of the business, we lost a considerable amount of revenue overnight within, you know, within days um, to an alarming degree. But what we have been able to do is repurpose and present some of our really strong products in a way that actually meets the needs of our customers now. So things like our award-winning office boxes, we've been able to send those into the consumer market or to send them to employees directly at home. And also what we're finding is one of the benefits is probably the wrong word, but one of the sort of spotlights that COVID has shone is on health and well-being, and what type of buildings are we actually returning to when we go to go back to work. With that in mind, um, companies and um, commercial real estate are really looking at how to create healthy buildings, and it's really exciting that actually nutrition is falling within that conversation. So. The future's looking promising, and I think the now is very much a sort of day-to-day, week-by-week management to find the best way through it, as, we, as we're all doing, really. Certainly some grounds for, for optimism there. Now, let's go right back to the beginning, because I believe that you had uh, quite a, an interesting sort of childhood and, and growing up. You moved around quite a lot. So tell us about those early years. Yeah, so um, I was born in Yorkshire, um, very much to, um, I would say, traditional Yorkshire grandparents, certainly um, very sort of Yorkshire folk. 
Um, and then when I was sort of fairly young, around sort of seven, we moved out to New Zealand. And that to me is sort of that pivotal when people say, which school did you go to? It's one of those things that automatically drops into my mind immediately as New Zealand. So I think it was sort of an anchor point. Um, and it has in some ways really framed what I even enjoy now, essentially hills, sea, being in that sort of open space. Um, I returned to the UK just in time for my teens and and have then travelled and continued that travelling um, as an adult. So having sort of 10 years living in Africa and yeah, now we're in sunny Scotland. So what, what, what took you to Africa and which part of the continent were you living in? So my parents um, have um, an orphanage and water sanitation program and an education program out in Kenya, particularly working on the coast. Um, and my husband and I decided to go see what work they were doing and had a bit of a whirlwind romance with, with the country, actually returning three weeks after we got back from the holiday to live there. And although we were there in a very different capacity, I set a business up over there. Um, it was an amazing experience and really, yeah, something that is incredibly fond of memories and, yeah, Africa just holds a place or Kenya just holds a place in my heart and probably always will do. What brought you to Scotland? That was more, um, it was quite a sad story, really. Actually, my parents had returned to Scotland because um, he, my dad, my father had cancer. And at the uh, roughly about the same time, we were going through some really volatile political environments in Kenya that we did feel that weren't particularly safe at the time. Um, so both of those two sort of not brilliant situations um, led us to, to Scotland. My father had always wanted to live in Scotland and the cancer care had sort of all of those things had sort of worked out for them. So we, my husband and I, returned um, to spend some time with my dad, um, and we ended up in just sort of southwest of, of Edinburgh, and that's where we've been since, and it's absolutely beautiful. Right. When you were growing up with all these different interesting experiences and influences, what, what did you dream of doing when you uh, were going to embark upon your career? I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> Sadly, I was not one of these. Do you know? I remember meeting a friend, my one of my um, long-standing friends, and she was nine years old, and she said, "I'm going to be a doctor," and she's a GP. Right. <laughs> Sadly, not one of those at all, in any way, shape, or form. Um, I don't recall ever having, other than doing competitive equestrian. That was sort of my main dream. And I remember my dad saying to me at one point, do think about the sort of financial implications and everything that that it involves before you head off in that direction. Um, obviously, wasn't that that struck on it as it changed. But then after that, I sort of dabbled in a few things. When I was sort of 17, I applied for the RAF. Um, with a particular goal of um, joining for their um, fighter pilot program. Um, got accepted for that, but then met my husband, so that's probably a totally different story. And then I went, eventually went off 
um, and studied event management at university. Um, and that kind of led me into that direction. But I wasn't, um, yeah, I didn't have a burning desire to be a specific, in a specific role. Um, yeah, just but you, you, you've clear, I mean, you, you're, a, you're a bit of a serial entrepreneur. Um, so you, did you always have that sense that really you wanted to sort of be must, mistress of your own destiny and, you know, run your own businesses? I think I did. And one of the sort of really pivotal life experiences as a child that I had, after returning from New Zealand, I was really severely bullied to the extent that I was actually pushed in front of a truck um, age 14 and ended up leaving school oh and not turning with so mm. no qualifications or anything like that. And I think that what that did do is at a very early age developed a level of resilience and determination. And that, mm. as you quite rightly say, that sort of master of my own destiny type um, mindset and I think that that was embedded very young. Both parents are um, biz business owners, so I was obviously experienced to that um, uh, and sort of went through life in sort of, yeah, getting involved in, uh, in par my parents' businesses. So I think those are sort of the threads of entrepreneurship that started. I've always been fairly confident in my own thoughts and my own decisions and quite sort of determined. So I think all of those early skills or early traits probably do lead very much into that entrepreneurship journey. Uh, and you, you went straight into working for yourself, I, I believe, did you after university working? I did. Um, I did very, very well at university in terms of a very um, opportunistic placement um, with the NEC group in Birmingham and got to work on right. tremendous sort of projects. I remember doing things like Honda's 50th an, um, anniversary and just some really great, sort of really exciting events um, during that. Returned to Scotland at that point. We did start off in Scotland before we moved out to Africa. And there was just the opportunity there to, to sort of do events for people and really go straight headlong into um, working on people's events. And it started off with quite small events and then it got bigger. And then my direction then sort of evolved as that journey continued. So, yeah, it was a really, it just seemed a very sort of natural process for me to do that. And, and you seem to have sort of branched out. I mean, you, you haven't just stuck with events, obviously, and you've, you've uh, kind of moved into brand strategy and innovation. Are you, are you just would you say you're an opportunist? You, you see, you see something, and you just you just go for it. I actually think underneath it all, I'm probably a hidden academic somewhere. <laughs> so, I fa um, after a few years, you find that event management, irrespective of how large or small, is a process, and I got bored of that process and I got bored of a lot of companies at that time. It's, it is different now, but a lot of companies at that time didn't really have sort of an ROI strategy or anything for the events. And I, I sort of, that, that perplexed me. How could somebody spend so much money on an event, but then not have anything tangible that they were trying to actually get out of it? And also, how were, how were companies communicating in that event? And was that reflecting the culture? And did it, 
did it really demonstrate who the founders were or who the business was and what they stood for? So I just had a whole heap of questions on an ongoing basis. Mm. That led me into more sort of looking at how brands interact um, with their audiences and then started to sort of tilt me towards that brand strategy um, and innovation and sort of communication. So dabbling a little bit more on the sort of the internal sort of mechanics of communication and branding. So you're acquiring a, a, a wide range of very useful experience here for, for launching uh, a different sort of business of your own and also a huge amount of ambassadorial work and being a mentor and stuff, which we'll come on to later on. But uh, tell us, Sarah, about the, the, the story behind Healthy Nibbles. How did, how did the business come about in the first place? So Healthy Nibbles was one of those aha moments more than anything else. I was at the bedside of my dad and this was um, at the point of he was actually in the, the last few weeks of his life um, from the cancer and it was three o'clock in the morning and I was absolutely starving and went to the vending machine um, only to find a giant poster saying diabetes and obesity kill <laughs> next to it and absolutely nothing healthy to eat and I guess in those circumstances you've got a, a lot of thinking time so I spent um yeah, just sort of, it was one of those aha moments. Why are there no mm -hmm. things in here? When you go up to the restaurants in a hospital, it was sort of a token lettuce leaf, sort of <laughs> more than an actual sort of substantial meal that was healthy and um, sort of added nutrients to the body. I think one of the other interesting really points that kind of came at that sort of, oh, that, that I was able to draw in, should I say, was during my parents' time out in Kenya, um, where they were dealing with a lot of malnutritioned um, people, they increased certain items. It was particularly looking at eggs and spinach and things like that, sort of nutrient-dense um, foods into the diets, and the medical bills were reduced by 25%. Wow. So it was one of those things that sort of, that time just sort of sat there in the hospital surrounded by unhealthy food knowing that nutrition is absolutely pivotal to so many recoveries and um that our frontline staff were not actually having really brilliant food choices either and that's where i ended up with, um sort of with the concept i did take a few years after that to actually um, develop and run with, um, but that was essentially the found, the founding thoughts for the business. So up until uh, the interruption as a result of COVID nineteen, what how how the business grown and what position were you in? So we did start fairly slowly. We started um, just sort of exploring what products were available, um, what were people eating, did a, a whole heap of research. Um, and then I think it was around 2015 that we launched our first vending machines actually out into the market and fo quickly followed on the following year with snack boxes. And we had some sort of adjustments in that in as much as that when we first launched our snack boxes, we were really targeting very young companies um, that wouldn't necessarily benefit from a vending machine. But actually we found 
some really sizable companies um, ended up working with us. So we've been working now for four, five years with um, 3Mobile. And we deliver snap boxes into every single retail store, their head offices and data centers throughout the UK. So we did a lot of product, a sort of product development and innovation there and um, really sort of cemented ourselves as um, within that sort of nutritional well-being within the workplace, really focusing on B2B clients and just steadily sort of chipping away at that growth because it, do, it doesn't necessarily come overnight when you're de- sort of developing a new concept. Up to pre-COVID, we had re- a really, really exciting quarter. Um, we started working with Vitality Healthcare. We started working with Tesco's. And in Q4 of last year, we just secured Transport for London. So that was our first sort of step into that B2C market with what we were actually doing. So that's um, sort of healthy vending machines in bus stations. And we're looking at sort of that wider expansion across DLR and tubes and things to really give the general public immediate access to healthy, healthy snacks. So that's really exciting. Brilliant. Oh, it's, a, it's a great idea and uh, really wish you well with that as we emerge, you know, from what's going on at the moment. And But you, you also seem to immerse yourself in lots of other uh, activities as well around business. So, I mean, I just see here that you, you've been a mentor for Entrepreneurial Spark. You've been an ambassador for Startup Loans Company, Women's Enterprise Scotland, E2E. You've been involved in EY Winning Europe. You've been a director of um, the charity Vision Ministries. So what, what's the, the driver there? Why do, you, why do you love getting involved in so many different things? I think it's where I've got my uh, I've got passions. I think it was really exciting to be able to get involved in the entrepreneurial spark sort of ecosystem. That is just sort of using my, at the time, it was using my brand experience to support other entrepreneurs in their journey, which I think is really important. I think once you've got a collection of skills, whatever they are, it's it's really a responsibility to then share and to help either the next generation or it doesn't even have to be a sort of generational thing, but to help people along in that journey that they're having. So I think that was always um, a driver for me. Women's Enterprise Scotland is an entity that's got a really powerful driving force behind it about encouraging women to start their biz- their sort of entrepreneurial journey um, and just the recognition that actually if more women were supported in more diverse ways, the impact on the economy is absolutely profound. And I think that that is something really um, important to get involved in. Startup loans company. They supported us in the very early stages of um, Healthy Nibbles. And again, it's one of those things where I think, you know, they supported us, they took a punt on us. Um, and likewise, I think it's really important to give back. I think it's important to continually encourage other entrepreneurs on the journey. And in environments, say, for instance, with E2E, you've got a mix where we are actually probably one of the smaller companies now and we're able to look up to somebody, you know, some really key players like um, Lord Karen Billamori from Cobra Beer is part of that. Um, so 
brands and businesses that are much further on their journey than we are and just being able to look up to them and see what they've done and how they've um, adapted their businesses to various sort of environmental changes and things like that. The EY Winning Women Programme I'm just absolutely delighted to be a part of it was sort of it's a competitive process that you go through and it's an environment where EY select a number of um, women that they mentor and they essentially pour out their knowledge into you into them and create a really sort of safe ecosystem to grow evolve and nurture your business and Again, it's sort of really trying to drive that sort of female-led business and provide that sort of supportive network. So that's, again, that's more of a sort of, rather than me sort of giving into that, that's me sort of being supported and, and having that framework of support. And it's not just sort of a mentored support. It's also a very, very strong peer-to-peer. So when we've had bad days as a group of us and we can just have a chat about what, you know, what's gone wrong, what's gone right, and what have other businesses done? And you know that you're sort of um, talking to other females that are leading really strong businesses that have, have been through various different challenges. So that's, that's again, really, really exciting. And um, I'm just really grateful to be a part of that. And the other aspect that I'm involved in is with the international well building and sitting on their global nourishment board and also their COVID task force. And right. That is really more aligned to healthy nibbles as a business, um, where we look at what defines a healthy business and how do you create that, and then we um, we look at the nourishment components in that. So how do we make sure that employees of the future are well nourished in their sort of places of work now if you were to be able to speak to your younger self as she was embarking upon her career sarah is there any advice that you'd give her based on the experiences you've had you've had it would have to be something that's really struck me from one of our current investors and it's something that has he mentioned at the beginning of this year but actually it's released a lot of shall we say angst or stress that you can't kind of go through sometimes when you're a founder which is just enjoy the journey and I think if that can be taken to my younger self that it's going to be okay and just enjoy the journey now to finish with I've got five quick questions for you oh gosh Five, (laughs) five quick answers please okay first question what is your favorite healthy nibble Oh, um, at the moment, it is Creative Nature's Nobles. Really? That sounds complicated. What's that? Um, they're like a healthy Malteser. Oh, right. Okay. Oh, I can see the attraction there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> what was the first record you bought? Oh, my goodness. Um, I think it might have been... Hmm. Prince, and I can't remember the title. That's that's good. We'll accept that. That's a a pretty decent punt for your first purchase. What subject did you most dislike at school? Um, Physics, I would say. Who's your hero? This is probably going to be a rather cliched, but there's a lot of people out there doing amazing things. It's just somebody who's following their dreams and doing something amazing. 
Great. And finally, what is your favourite place in the world? Anywhere by the sea. Doesn't really matter where. <laughs> as long as it's got a coastal view, I'm happy. <laughs> that lovely, relaxing sound of the waves lapping on the shore. Exactly. It's been fantastic speaking to you. Thanks very much. No worries. Likewise. We wish Sarah well as she remodels her business for the uncertain times ahead. She certainly has the talent and determination to continue to succeed. We'll be back in a fortnight. Bye. To find out more about the Scottish Business Network, simply visit sbn.scot.